the comic book pit. Okay. celebratory episode of Comic Book Head. Well, what better way to celebrate the anniversary of one's birth? Yeah, that is true. Everybody well, should podcast on their birthday. The same age as... You're being self-deprecating, but in truth, I kind of love being on podcasts, so it's kind of a treat for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you said... Um, yeah, I, I think I saw you post on Facebook something to that effect. Were, were you actually talking about or thinking about doing one of your own at some point? Yeah, I, I wanted to for years. It's really just a matter of time and uh, very high standards <laughs> because I, I, I just don't want to be sitting across from another person and, and just bantering for an hour. Um, no offense to you guys. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Come on, man. That's, you're doing it wrong the whole you know, time. We have couches and everything. That's our, that's our bread and butter. Computers, yeah. I, I feel like if I could do that with a, a different guest every week, I, sure, mm-hmm. I, I'd have no problem with it. But I feel like if I had a partner with it, it would get stale really fast because mm-hmm. I just I – I, I personally am not that interesting of a person. I can talk about the things that are interesting on the surface, but then when you get beneath that, I'm kind of like, well, I don't have much of an opinion about any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of what, like what kind of uh, what was this, would it be like a, a topic of the week type of thing, or had you not really thought about that yet? Like what kind of format you would be doing? I, I have ideas what I'd like to do, um, but to be clear, I don't have like a plan. It's just mm. it's kind of a dream right now. Just, just um, yeah. But uh, I like the um, the more scripted, produced format, like more this American Life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I also, I, I mean, I kind of like variety shows too, where you get a li- you don't really know what you're going to get every week. And um, I like audio fiction as well, like radio play kind of stuff. And um, and then music, discovering you know strange, interesting new music. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of all over the place with it, and I'd, I'd want to do something that wasn't locked into a specific format where I kind of just do whatever I wanted. So you could just do the Eric Adams variety hour. Yes. <laughs> and if there's somebody else, if somebody else is hosting it too, we're not going to put their name in it. It's just going to be my name. <laughs> <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. Our, our show is more like a wacky morning zoo radio drive time. <laughs> no, not really. Not really. <laughs> you traffic on the twenties. That's right. <laughs> you need more sound effects for that. Yeah, I I would love a soundboard. I want the uh, springy effect that boing boing. If I could figure out a way to do that, then my <laughs> I would die a happy man. I want to be like the like those two guys on Parks and Recreation, Crazy Ira and the Douche. So, <laughs> any Parks and Rec fans? I guess not. I've no, never seen it. Yeah. Oh. I've seen a handful of episodes, but not enough to catch the reference. Sorry, Dan. Damn it. Oh well. You can make a really good soundboard. Really, it's like you're, you can have a comic book show. There's so many good. That's true. Think about just Batman, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the '60s show. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's so many. There's actually like a ton of 
soundboard apps out there. Mm-hmm. That would be super easy, actually. Now that I think about it, to kind of incorporate into the show if we wanted to. We just hold I, it up to the microphone and press play. Pretty much. <laughs> Here's my prediction of how that'll work for you guys. The first episode, you're going to drive each other fucking crazy, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll never do it again after that. <laughs> because you say something that's not that impressive, and then somebody replies with a Terminator. Yeah, or like a cow mooing or something. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess if we're all ready, well, we just get this show on the road. Yeah. Perhaps we shouldn't introduce it because we're just random voices, and I feel our guest is yeah is playing along. Uh, I'm Jared. Hello, Eric. Hey, it's Hello. Scott here. Yeah, you know me too, Scott. Yeah. And I'm Dan, and this is, of course, Comic Book Pit, and we're at episode 198. So marching towards yeah, marching marching towards the big 200. It's like the last of the mutants, you know? Yes. The, the 198. That's right. <laughs> Way to make a, a decade-old... Let's let's make a reference back to comic books. On no more show. podcasts. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, speaking of uh, comic books and our guest, we have Eric Adams with us, who um, I guess we've, we've known you for a few years, Eric. I mean, through the... Um, from you coming to the Pittsburgh Comic Con, and we've run into each other at the uh, space, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it might go as far back as maybe ten years, even. Um, I, I would say I, th- I think I've known you for ten years. Yeah, it sounds about right. The Pittsburgh shows, and then yeah, and then moving on towards space and all that later. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, I think I've even run into you at uh, Baltimore once or twice. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we get around, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, you know, a small world in the, uh, the comics community. Sometimes it's kind of a, you know, kind of a tight knit group in some ways. Yeah, after a while, um, somebody who is not in the comics world or or art world at all says, "Hey, look at this." cool thing on the internet and you could say oh i know the guy who drew that <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least i'm acquaintances with that person and right <laughs> um that starts to happen all the time after you're in in the in the industry long enough you know you get to know everyone well it got to be um you know i i work part-time at a at a comic book store here in pittsburgh and it, it was really surreal when people would come up with copies of um nick marino's book holy fuck and you know people that are buying i'm like that's my friend Nick who wrote that book. And I'm like, <laughs> and I would try and tell people like this guy used to live in Pittsburgh and he wrote this book and they're like, really? Wow. That's super cool, man. We did so, a podcast in this yeah. very store, <laughs> but we totally worked on comics with him too. Yeah. We can all, I think we can all claim that we can. Yeah. I don't know Nick too well, but we definitely are, are friendly. We've talked before and, mm-hmm. um, he's, I'm, uh, very happy for him. It seems like he's having a lot of success with that book. And uh, I'll confess, I, I haven't gotten my hands on it yet, but I intend to as soon as I can. I just been a little busy with things. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and well, uh, you know, bring it back around. That's kind of why you know we wanted to have you on the show. You wanted, you, you know, you've you've got a lot of irons in the fire. You've got you know your your Kickstarter, and you've got your books with. Um, I'm pronouncing it right, Narrier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell us well. In whichever order you want to talk about your stuff, I'm fascinated to hear about it. Okay. So um, just whatever 
whatever floats your boat. Sure. I yeah, I'm having like maybe I'm at the, the tail end of the the busiest comics month of my life right now. I am so actually it was 11 years ago. It was in 2004. I published self published the first issue of Lackluster World. And then uh, about eight years later, I published the last issue of it, which was the seventh issue. And um, so for the past few years, I've been busy with other things. And finally, I've been able to get all my ducks in a row and focus on collecting all that into a big hardcover edition, which is what we have the Kickstarter going on for right now. The um, That hardcover edition isn't really just a collection of those issues. Of course, it, it is collecting them, but I'm calling it like the unofficial slash official director's cut version of Lackluster World. Um, I'm adding, basically those seven issues add up to 252 pages of comics, but the, this hardcover is going to be 380 pages of comics. So there's like a hundred and almost, almost 130 pages of new stuff in there. Wow. And um, 30 of that's going to be like back matter stuff, you know, like script fragments and sketches and things. And then um, the additional 100 I'm adding a bunch of new scenes that are being injected into the story. So it's really the same story that has always existed for anybody who's read it. Um, But we're adding new scenes, we're taking existing scenes and expanding upon them, or really just in some cases just redrawing them to kind of get them a little more breathing room. Um, I think a lot of people maybe run into that with their comic series where they they get to the end and they look back at that first issue and go, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, for those listening, I should probably just explain what the book's about a little bit. Um, Lackluster World is the story of an albino man trying to manipulate his world through a combination of journalism and vandalism, or street art, but half the time he's fighting off his fanatically religious brother and sister who are desperately trying to convert him. (laughs) We've uh, all been there. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, that's why I wrote this. Um, (laughs) No, I don't. I don't have crazy religious family, actually. No, yeah. Uh, uh, but the elevator pitch is Fight Club meets Office Space in Pleasantville. Well, that definitely invokes a lot of uh, imagery. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've been told that it's a very apt comparison for, or very tonally, it's a very apt comparison for what's going on in the book. So. Um, I feel like I've been saying that for 10 years, that whole pitch. <laughs> it's like I'm almost on autopilot, like pitch time, and I have to robot it out. Um, I had a reviewer once call it, um, think Transmetropolitan meets Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Yeah. And I thought that was a pretty good comparison. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, because I've, I've read, I haven't read all the issues, but I've read some of it, and that's that's sort of what I got from it, too. Mm-hmm. Is uh, tra- Definitely that Transmet, like, uh, that you get into... Um, just the social, I don't know, there's, I don't know, you touch on good subject themes and stuff like that, so, I don't know if you, you know, you could explain it better than me, but, um, the, I like the themes in your book, and they do remind me of Transmet. Thank you. Um, so. Well, the, the book overall is, um, it's one of those books that's kind of genreless, which is something I actually kind of strive for with most of the comics I make. Um, I don't, I don't like them to be easily defined in a word like this is a horror book or this is a Western book. Um, I like to go for something a little more abstract. And, um, I think my long-winded pitch that I've already given is pretty much what that, the, the, the <laughs> shortest pitch I can give for the book and, uh, still kind of get it across. It's, um, 
it's I call it a dark satire because um, it's definitely it has dramatic elements, has comedic elements, has a lot of social commentary. And um, there's definitely a lot of emotion in it, too. And I know the book starts off as kind of a weird, quirky, uh, cynical, dark story. And it really turns into um, the story about these three siblings. And there's there's a lot of kind of wild emotion that happens with it later on. And I don't know how far you guys have, have read along, but um, Scott, have you read up to the point where they flash back to when they're children? Uh you know what? I <laughs> confession. I haven't read it in a lot in many years, <laughs> and I actually went through my box tonight to try to find it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, that's our oh, for shame, Scott. Yeah, I know. No, I found, that's that, that's I'm, my confession too. I I, I, I moved last year, and my all my indie books that I've collected over the past ten years from like Pittsburgh Comic Con and Space and Picks, they're all in a milk crate in my friend's garage. Right. Well, then I have. I too have a confession to make, uh, Eric. I don't know you personally from being on the COD scene, <laughs> but I have met you once before. I bought a copy of Lackluster World off you at the Pittsburgh Comic Con in 2009. I too am in the middle of a move, and I was able to pull my copy out of a box right next to me. Toot sweet. So I'm actually looking at very nice first issue right now. Hey, awesome. So I win. No, wait, wait, hold on, Eric. I have the Lackluster World coffee mug. So oh yeah, I have that with me. Does. Yeah. So, but I I boom. did I did unearth drop uh, I did unearth reflection. So I'm just gonna say that too. Well, that's that's cool. That's a book that, <laughs> frankly, I didn't sell a whole lot of. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could talk about that later. I don't yeah. want to get off the lackluster. But uh, no, well, yeah, I did, I don't think I read that far into the book. To get back to what you had said. Well, that, that's totally fine. I I was just. I guess looking for the assist on how to. I didn't want to talk about how great and emotional my book was when I could have somebody else do it for me. <laughs> Way to go, so, Scott. I mean, I, I think I pretty. <laughs> I, I think I. I think I pretty well explained what Blackluster World is, and, and as I said, we're we're trying to turn it into a, a hardcover right now. And uh, Kickstarter, uh, like, how, when does this podcast actually air? Well, uh, I'll probably put it up either. Um, Probably tonight. I would say later tonight. Uh, worst case, yeah, yeah. Worst case would be like early tomorrow morning, but it'll mostly go up probably sometime tonight. Okay. Well, there's about a week left on the Kickstarter. Um, today's April 9th, and it ends at um, April 17th at 11 p.m. For those people who are just watching their wrists just for that last minute, <laughs> 11 p.m. Um, but uh, we got about a week left, and um, we actually had a really good day today. It probably helps that I milked the fact that it's my birthday and said, yeah. everybody, uh, pledge to my Kickstarter. It's my birthday. So <laughs> um, we're about we're less than 10% away from our goal now, so I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll make it. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Very nice. Well, how was the – just in general, how was the whole Kickstarter process for you? Like we've, we've talked to other creators in the past about their own – experience with it you know both good and bad so what you know is is this something you would do again or you know like what 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 were your feelings about the whole process of working with kickstarter i um well it's not i don't think i fully processed everything about it just yet because it's still going on i'm still kind of in the middle of it and just trying to get out of it uh the the process is actually very um very nerve-wracking and uh 
it's just it's a obsessive. You get the Kickstarter app on your phone, and you are just instinctually every five minutes refreshing it to see if there's any new backers. You can't stop yourself. <laughs> and um, you start you are second and third guessing everything you do. Like, well, if I post too much on my social media accounts, am I going to piss somebody off to the point that they maybe pull out of pledging? And you just start thinking through all these crazy scenarios when you kind of just need to find the right balance. And I think you can only find it through a little trial and error. Um, like some stuff's just you get more response out of others. I've had the best luck uh, actually reaching. I mean, you get on social media and start talking about it and your friends almost always kind of rally behind a crowdfunding campaign. Um they're probably sick to death of you after a couple of weeks of it, but um, I've got, again, I, I to get back to my point is I got a lot of success out of external sources, um, just trying to get other bloggers to to mention it. Um, like uh, I, I mentioned that the uh, titular character Fahrenheit, his brother and sister Kelvin and Celsius are basically trying to convert him. The whole book. So I got a hold of some atheist blogs and got them to post about it. So I got some <laughs> nice. backers that way. Wow. In okay. fact, in fact, I even got mentioned on Richard Dawkins' website, which was a big surprise. Um, then, uh, let's see. I also uh, got staff picked by the AV Club. Nice. Um, and it was uh, that was a, a huge thing. Really, we got a, a, that was probably the biggest bump we had in the whole campaign so far. Um, and then today, uh, just by total coincidence, yeah, it's my, my birthday, but I, that probably has something to do with it. But I actually sent out a, a press release, uh, overnight that, uh, just started appearing today. And, um, I won't, I'm not going to read the thing to you, but let me read a couple, uh, the headline and a couple sentences to you. Cause it's, first of all, I mean, you guys have, have you guys ever done the press release thing where you send it out and nobody ever runs it? No, we, <laughs> I, I, I've only been on the receiving end. Okay. But you you know the format of press releases are yeah sure yeah you know they're they're pretty static and flat and um, my thought was if I send out a press release nobody is going to care about another graphic novel with another Kickstarter they're probably sick of seeing that kind of stuff so um, I spun it like this graphic novelist enjoys the anxiety of crowd fund crowdfunding really it feels great <laughs> is the headline. <laughs> Nice. And uh, basically, I wrote a narrative about me having cold sweats and not being able to sleep and obsessing over checking out the checking the Kickstarter for backers and second guessing everything, all the stuff I was talking about, the, the nerve wracking mm-hmm. um, aspects of it. And, uh, you know, it was meant to be funny. And, of course, it talks about the Kickstarter at the same time. And it seems to have had some success uh, today. So um, Anyway, I'm getting into a lot of details, but you were asking kind of how does the Kickstarter thing work and, and my thoughts on it. I, I would do it again um, for for many reasons. I wouldn't do one like immediately again. Um, I could see myself doing this like on a 12-month cycle, like doing it for my next book um, and learning from some of the mistakes I made with this one, which I don't think there's so many. Um, one thing I didn't do was I didn't make a video for my Kickstarter campaign. And I had always intended to. In fact, I even like shot stuff and I tried to edit it. And I was like, this is just, this is terrible. <laughs> I really just didn't have the right equipment or a crew to help me with it. I was just trying to do it myself on my phone. And uh, I thought it just kind of brought it down. So I, I always thought, well, I'll just put it up eventually. I'll get it done while the Kickstarter's running. And it just kind of got to the point where I realized I don't think I really need it because it's getting enough um, uh, response as it is. 
But um, next time, I think I'd go all out with a really great video and be much more prepared with that and not think it's something I can do last minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I, I do recommend it. Um, I know others use Indiegogo or even other um, alternatives to Kickstarter. And I considered it, but I really went straight to Kickstarter and didn't even think that hard about like, I was never swayed to go somewhere else because comics have such a big presence on Kickstarter. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to capture people who were there just to find new comics, people who had never heard of me before. And I, I could be wrong, but I don't think Indiegogo or other crowdsourcing platforms, crowdfunding platforms, uh, really kind of have that audience built in. Yeah, I think I, I think you're onto something with that. I, I feel like I've heard more people talk about Kickstarter as a as a way to discover new talent than anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I you you get some pretty good analytics on how people discovered your Kickstarter, um, at least how your backers discovered it, hmm. and I, I can clearly see that there's a very large percentage, um, like maybe a third that. Uh, I I seriously can't identify. They just found it organically through Kickstarter. Mm. Well, that's really cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of you know hopeful for the for the future of of not only kickstarting things but just comics in general. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to add to that that I think uh, when you're trying to size up your project and you're trying to decide like how many you know how many people do I know will help me. You know, so so you really have to, you know, like that. You have that big X factor of people that you don't know that are legitimately, you know, coming to your book and trying to, you know, figure out if they want it or not, like for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of interesting, you know, because, you know, at least they're telling you that, you know, at least they're saying like, hey, these people don't know you, but they think it's cool, you know. Yeah. So that's I- kind of a neat. And I think that the people who who are interested in doing this are they want more than just getting the product in the end. They I think they mm-hmm. like just the feeling of being part of the process and getting the right. updates, and they get to feel like they're kind of creating it too. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's part of its appeal, really. I, I think, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound negative or anything, but we're kind of in this point in society where it's really all about ourselves. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's about ego, and um, yeah. Uh, that Kickstarter really kind of gives people a chance to do that through some form of commerce, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, okay, so you've been, you know, as, as long as I've known you, like, Lackluster World has been kind of your your main project. And just, I would say, has it been like within the last year that you've been, um, you've kind of transitioned from just solely creating Lackluster World to, Writing and editing and and coming up with the uh, your your narrier brand of comics. Yeah, uh, like I, how, how did that come about? How did you kind of transition from from just doing the whole creative thing to just part of the creative process? Well, the whole time I worked on Lackluster World, I, I really, for the most part, just had blinders on, just so I was focused on that, getting to the end of that, and. Um, there were other nuggets of ideas that struck me, and I just, you know, I kept them. And um, once I finished Lackluster World, I kind of had this big list of things I could be working on next. And I, um, now Lackluster World's a book that I wrote, Andrew, myself. I did all of it myself. And um, I 
looked at all these story ideas I had and said, I'm never going to be able to do all these by myself. I need to give it, I need to give up all the control and, um, start collaborating with others. And I put a, uh, just a shout out online saying, Hey, I'm interested in collaborating with some people. And, um, I got a couple of responses with some of which worked out, some of which didn't. The, the most positive one of those that worked out was the comic, um, which we'll, we could talk about in a little more detail in a minute. Um, but the one called a uh, goodbye weather, mm-hmm. uh, the science fiction comic. Um, and then the other two were stories that, uh, I, I came up and had been holding on to for a little while and just sought out artists on and, and had made. Um, but I just realized that I, I enjoy doing the artwork. I, I enjoy drawing. Um, but I'm too slow of an artist. And again, I just, I'll never get it all done if I, if I'm trying to do it all myself. So, and on top of that, I, I kind of enjoy the writing a little more than the art. Um, I just like the discovery process more when, when you're drawing it, whether you wrote it or, or didn't write it, you're kind of, it's kind of all there for you. At least there's a rule mm-hmm. set for you. And I, I like the much more open canvas, uh, maybe a bad metaphor, but <laughs> the, the kind of open idea of open, um, environment where you can start it with a blank anything and, and put down all your ideas. That was a and, question. Um, I, I didn't mean to step on you there. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That was a question. Um, switching from being to just a writer, sounds like it, you embracing it was a fairly easy transition for you rather than being the writer artist. Yeah. I um, Something I never even gave a, a thought to. Is I wrote these scripts and I, I got them down and they were pretty tight scripts, really. I, I was pretty... Um, because I am experienced as an artist as well, um, I wrote them really tight, and even to the point where I was like pretty much dictating these. This is the panel grid of the page exactly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, not to get on a different subject here, but that's something that I, I learned my lesson on. <laughs> I need to be much more loose about the stuff I give artists okay. and, and next works. Everything worked out fine, of course, but I think it bored the artists a bit. I need to make it a little more fun for them. I don't mean um, to take it down to side path, but when you would write for yourself, would you write? that tightly or would you just sort of know what you were going to draw and just sort of give yourself like a little um I guess guide um anything else a little bit of both because okay. I, I wanted to write as tightly as possible so that i had all my thumbnails drawn out before i drew anything but um but because i was both i was able to if i got stuck on the writing part i could say well i'm just gonna start drawing this section and maybe something will come out of it that will inform what i'm gonna do with the next scene and um it was a constant back and forth where the script wasn't even really complete until the comic itself was complete a lot of the time. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And obviously that's something I can't really do um, when I'm hiring yeah. an artist. You get to play with the dialogue, but that's about it. Right. Um, right. You can't get to page 12 and be like, yeah, just start. I'll figure it out when I yeah. go. <laughs> oh, no, it's anyway, looking at Goodbye Weather, uh, if you had drawn it, it would – I mean, the art just you do have on it um, – Jerome Morrow, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. Uh, his look is drastically different than your own. So it's like it's interesting to think about if you had drawn this, how differently it would have come out. Well, well it would have been like the same, but yet would you have changed your style? Or would you have used that same style you did in Blackluster World? Or had you even well, thought about that? I, I have. And in fact, um, this, this book is kind of the exception from the three because I actually colored that book myself. Um, he, uh, Jerem, uh, penciled and inked it and did a great job, but I, I applied all those colors. And, um, I think that, I mean, just the fact that it's in color versus Lackluster World is a drastic change from my usual style. Right. right. And, um, Lackluster World is all, 
pens and markers on board, or at least 90% of it is. And Goodbye Weather for me is 100% digital. I didn't, you know, he supplied me the digital files and I colored them digitally. Um, and had I drawn it myself, it, it definitely would have been a, uh, a totally different style. Um, and that, that's part of the reason I kind of want to work with others as well, is my style is kind of uh, whimsical and cartoony. I know that's not the best word to use when describing comics, but... Um, I don't mind it. I like, I like cartoony, and I, I think it's a bad rap. And I, uh, I, think, I don't think it should be dismissed as not being strong enough or whatever, but I get, we're getting off topic. Yeah, no, it's I, just... I, Cartoony is a word that, well, aren't all comics cartoons when you really think about it? And yeah, but, um, that's what I meant. But I, I, I was pretty confident I didn't want to draw it because I wanted a grittier, more realistic look to it. And, um, and Jerem had that and I knew he could do it. He showed me some examples of some work he had done and he just, he seemed perfect for it. And the story was perfect for him too. I knew he was really into the, this kind of story. So, um, very cool. Somebody yeah, this, pay attention when I before I diverge this thing. <laughs> I just, we, we were on Kickstarter, right? What's that? <laughs> yeah, did, did you guys just uh, you guys watching Big Bang Theory or something? What happened? Um, <laughs> are you? What are you I, talking I, about? I don't even right now. Yeah, what are you talking? I was about? trying to yeah. I was trying to get this show back on track and then I'm taking it even further. No, well we were talking uh, about oh, yeah. we were talking about his his uh, his other comics anyway. So that I thought that's where okay. you were going. Yeah. I went more into process, and I was kind of. Well, no, that's fine. I kind of took it yeah, yeah, I like that road. actually. No, that's that's what I was that's what I was bringing up. The fact that he went straight from the, you know, 100 percent creating to, you know, delegating somewhat. So that's why, yeah. Um. Yeah, let me let me actually find a spot here that I think we might have leaped over with all of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned these books are, are published under Narrier, and Narrier is my new publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Narrier.com, we have all our stuff up there. And um, for those who care what the name means, it's a it's a combination of the words narrative and carrier, as in like carrier signal, like when you think about radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, in fact, we, we had a saying for it. It's the... Um, uh, the carrier wave or carrier signal of post-genre narratives, um, but Narrier is essentially all my all my work is going to come through Narrier from this point forward. These three books and then Lackluster World, when we get that put into the hardcover, will be published under the Narrier name, and um, we're going to be publishing other people's work as well. Uh, I don't have anybody signed right now, but I'm definitely talking to uh, some friends. I've been you know kind of chatting up for really maybe a year about this idea. And um, we'll see if that turns into like full publishing or maybe even just like a distribution deal. But we'll, of course, uh, these three books, we have print copies and we sell them digital. Um, and uh, we'll be doing print and digital with everything in the future, as everybody does with comics now. That's that's how it works. But in the fall, we're going to be launching um, what I'm calling a, a web comics distribution service hmm. where... It's not really because they're free comics. They'd be online, you know. Um, and did you guys read Freak Angels by Warren Ellis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really liked that format where once a week, I think it was Fridays at noon, you got six pages every week. And it was, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was just a page. It, it wasn't a page a day. It was six pages at a time. So it was just enough story to kind of whet your appetite for more and leave you hanging for that next week. And it was, 
you know, there's times where they, they missed their deadline and they had skip weeks, but um, I liked that it was weekly. You always knew it was going to happen that day, that day in time. And that's what we're going to do with Narrier. We're going to be um, Monday through Thursday, two night, twice a night, um, pr- like during primetime hours, like 8 and 9 or 9 and 10, um, and really kind of model it like primetime television. So we're kind of calling it like primetime comics. Hmm. And they'll go live at that time, and of course there's lots of social tools built into the site. There's other content that's not so much uh, a, a, like a released, a time-released content. Um, things keep people on the site and be interested in. It's basically a place to go and do stuff that's not Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it's something you can do while you're doing other things at home, because chances are you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever uh, on those nights of the week. Um, but that's something we're aiming to launch this fall. And um, some of these books we're looking at, we're talking about now, and then Lackluster World um, would eventually go on this service, although Lackluster World is the kind of thing, once we put it up there, it wouldn't actually complete its run on there for like a year and a half because there's so many pages in it. Um, but that's 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 the ultimate goal for, I guess, phase one of, of Narrier Publishing. Um, for now, we're really just trying to get the name out there with, with a bunch of new work, and that's why I put all three of these books out at the same time. And... Um, yeah, I wrote them all, but I, I tried to keep them kind of diverse, yet I think the kind of the audience that would be interested in them would be um, interested in all three of them, not just one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to, we're just rolling this brand out and trying to start establishing an audience with it, with the work I've already had out um, and this new stuff. I, I really like the variety, actually, between the, uh, you know, the four books that we're talking about, like the Lackluster World and then... Uh, Rum Springa just was crazy. It was just, <laughs> I did not see that coming, you know. Uh, That's uh, probably been the... Amish punk yarn? That's how you describe it? Yeah, I thought yeah. they were all great and just, and, and, and so in their own ways, I mean, they were all yep. just kind of like mind-blowing in certain ways, like like, like how you are going for the non-genre mm-hmm. You know, story that I mean, these three books, four. I mean, if you you know, if you throw in Lackluster World, um, I kind of yeah, they that that fits that description to a T. Thank you. Um, that that is the goal. So I'm glad. I like hearing that I'm right, and not, it's not all <laughs> in my head. Um, well, let me ask what um, the 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 move to now you know start your own publishing and distribution. Uh, brand or you know uh, company or what, whatever you want to call it was that um, how did you come to that decision like was that something that you've always been working towards or was that something that you just decided maybe in the last couple of years that you wanted to be on the other end like the other side of the you know of that part of the industry um, I mean there's a couple of factors to it uh, one I, I really would like to make comics my career. Um, and right now I've been able to make them about half of my career. <laughs> like as of the, you know, recently. Um, I mean, I have uh, been a, a partner, a founding partner in a web development company here in Cincinnati for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I pretty much like, I have partners. I'm not, I don't own it. I, I co-own it. But um, I'm essentially the project director of the whole place. I kind of run the place. So 10 years of doing that, it's given me a lot of 
leadership skills to manage a lot of things that projects like things like comics even. And um, so I know I can do it and I'm comfortable doing it. And um, if I didn't do it myself, I'd have to be, I'd have to have somebody else hire me and pay me to make comics, right? <laughs> and I just don't think I'm comfortable with that. I'm too used to doing my own thing with just with the career experience I have. And at the same time, there's certain stories I want to tell. I think like I'm telling you guys, I want to make comics that are non-genre that are hard to describe. What publisher's going to say, Oh yeah, we would, we would, uh, we want you to, we would publish your comics, even though they're hard to sell. <laughs> it's it's so, the, the Seinfeld approach, you know, the sign, the show about nothing concept. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think if I take that idea and kind of turn it into like a, a meta genre on its own, I can make yeah. that work. But I, I don't think I could convince somebody else to do that. And nor would I want to. I, I think it's my idea. I want to run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like the variety. I get to write and edit and I get to work on all different kinds of stories. And some of them I might have very little input on. It might just be they come in and I, I might help direct it from like a promotional and marketing standpoint. Um, but otherwise, the work might just stand uh, on its own without any additional creative input needed, um, which means you've got great creators, too. That's a great thing when that happens. And um, so I guess to answer your question, Dan, it's kind of a combination of a lot of factors. It's it's They it, it just kind of lined up for me. Um, and I suppose another point about this is I, I, I just discussed what I want to do digitally with Narrier, and I think that that might be too novel of an idea for somebody else to um, actually try to run, operate themselves. Um, I think I've established enough clout as an independent comic creator that I can get a lot of other uh, comic creators in my same situation to kind of jump on board with me and be part of this narrator thing, which is what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of looking for submissions at this point uh, for for content to run on the site later in the year. Um, I don't have a submissions process set up yet, so please don't, people listening, please don't inundate me with anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you have something that's odd, unusual, again, like as I've been saying, kind of post-genre, please let me know about it. I'd be interested in hearing about it for sure. Um, that's great. So um, um, just w- one thing I'm curious, um, so y- Aside from the, you know, you, like I said, you're doing the web and the print. Um, do you have a, are, are you farming out the the print work, or is that something you're doing in-house? How's that working? Uh, are you talking about the actual printing of the books? Yes. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the three books that, uh, well, you guys haven't seen printed copies. You've seen digital copies. Mm-hmm. Um, those three books I had printed at uh, Rink Printing up in um, South Bend, Indiana, and uh it's unfortunate you guys don't have physical copies because they're beautiful. Like they, they printed it. They're just, they're exactly what I, I was hoping they would be, but didn't expect them to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm going to be printing lackluster worlds, uh, hardcover through them as well. And, um, I mean, as a publisher, that's kind of the only thing you can't do. Um, unless you have a, a press in house, you know, and that's, that's a, that's just unrealistic. Um, I am a, uh, I'm very strong on the idea that your comics should be kind of an art object. And I'm thinking of stealing that, that phrase from Jim Rugg because he always calls oh, nice. comics an art object. <laughs> um, Jim, Jim's stuff is awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, 
I don't like the look of digital printing, and I wanted all these books to be printed. In fact, every book I've ever printed has been offset. Uh, offset, sorry. Um, for those who don't know, it means it screens on paper. It's when it's digital, it's essentially a big inkjet printer or a big laser jet printer spinning it out. Um, but this is, you know, different CMYK stations that apply the color to the, the paper. And um, I just think it has a much more professional look to it. And um, these books, again, I wish you could see them, but I went for thicker 10-point covers, thicker paper. It's just I wanted it to feel kind of meaty, you know, like it was actually a trophy book. You know, mm-hmm. not I wanted the content to be good, but I wanted the package to be good, too. Um, so uh, that kind of went on a big tangent there from your question. No, I don't print them myself. No, that's, that, that was great. Like I said, I, I you know, th- this being all new, uh, and I mean, it's it's obviously this is a new venture for you, but again, this is this is new to us too, because because we've only known you as the the lackluster world guy. So you know, the the fact that you're branching out and doing this, you know, with, with your narrator. Uh, project is, I mean, I, I think it's great, and so I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole, uh, just the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the behind the scenes stuff has always interested me a lot. So that's why, yeah, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> no. Yeah, when it came to the, uh, the actual creative work behind it, um, of course I wrote it myself and just can do that anywhere. Um, but the. Uh, let, you know, let's go through these books, and I'll talk about the art process for each, because mm-hmm. I think that, that there's an interesting story to each of those, too. So we talked about Goodbye Weather a little bit, and um, we'll, we'll start there. Goodbye Weather is a uh, – oh, and by the way, all three of these books, there are one-shot books. There's no um, continuation intended with them, but if there's enough um, you know, positive feedback from them and they, they sell well, I, they're definitely all in a position where I could continue them if I wanted to. And um, I, I was going to say I, I like how on the cover of each that said single serving. Yes, I, I, that, that was that was pretty clever. I you know they're one shots, but I'm afraid that there's some publisher out there that owns the term one shot, <laughs> and I didn't oh, want yeah. to, I didn't want to face a legal action. I would not future. be surprised. <laughs> so I mean they own the word superhero, right? So yeah, you be careful. Which is, which is weird. That's a shared ownership, I thought. Yeah, DC and Marvel. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. Awesome. At the same time, I wanted to own it, so I, I called it single servings, and and um, I have my eye on some other works that I didn't create at all that other creators did that I would like to slap that label on as well. Um, we'll see if that happens, but um, so they're all single serving books. And um, Goodbye Weather is a uh, a cyberpunk story. It's a cyberpunk slash slice of life kind of a romance story, and it's about two aging hackers for hire on a job to commandeer a space-based advertising platform while mourning the loss of their friend. Uh, I illustrated it. Uh, Jerem Morrow penciled and inked it. And um, then I colored it after the fact. And um, I kind of... I hope people love this book as much as I do. <laughs> because it's, it's a very... Um, I don't want to say it's a challenging read, but it's sort of a challenging read. And uh, I like the idea that of a story that's really dense with things happening. Um, in fact, like you guys are looking at this, and uh, it has a four-panel structure to every page, and sometimes there's there's less, um, but it has a four-panel grid, and um, that was kind of intentional so that 
there, there's we wanted a lot to be happening in every panel, like things happening in um, the backgrounds or the transitions from this panel to that panel. There's a lot happening, so it, we wanted to keep it the keep it kind of to a minimal number of panels to kind of simplify what's you know, what's happening between spaces. Um, but uh, this was uh, this was definitely a labor of love. We probably spent this book. Probably spent we probably spent uh, a year and a half on this book. <laughs> oh man! Um, like I said, it started off with kind of a let's just do this for fun thing, and after we got so far into it, it was a well we've got something really good here, um, but it didn't mean uh, mine or Jerem's time got freed up anymore. So um, we kind of just rolled with it on the pace we were going, and um, eventually we got it all put together, and. Um, Luckily, all, it really kind of by coincidence, all three of these books kind of came together near the same time, and it was never my intention to release them all at the same time. It was just to do them and you know kind of figure that out later. But when I realized that all three were going to be completed so close together, I saw the opportunity to release them simultaneously and kind of make a big splash with the narrator name. Um, but anyway, that that's goodbye weather. Um, and then Scott, you mentioned Rumspringa, which has definitely yeah. been the—it's definitely been the most popular because it's the easiest sell. <laughs> right. That's um, right. <laughs> the the official name is Rumspringa, and you have to say it loud because there's an exclamation point on it. But it's and the official name is actually Rumspringa and Amish punk yarn. And um, I actually had the idea for this book at Pittsburgh Comic Con maybe four or five years ago. Hmm. I was. Uh, that was around the time that steampunk had kind of solidified its place as something that wasn't just going to go away. You know, <laughs> it was kind of, and I don't mean to say that in a negative way. I, I just mean that it, it was around to stay. Yeah. Um, not just a, a fad or a quick fad anyway. And, uh, I was actually talking to, uh, John Hodges from bad place. And, uh, I don't know. What we were talking, about. we were talking about steampunk something. And I just jokingly said, I'm going to create the Amish punk genre with giant wooden fighting robots. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, you've got something there. And I thought, holy crap, I do. And so I held on to this idea for a very long time and finally got it put together. Um, the, the quick pitch is two, uh, two Amish families are feuding and their feud escalates to the point of giant wooden, giant wooden fighting robots. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely the funniest of the three and it's meant to be. It, it's not... It's not very serious at all. It's basically just full of jokes and uh, I, I think funny what's fun, Yeah, what's funny about it is that they are feuding, but it seems like they also they just get along and they're like they're feuding for fun. Yeah, like, kind of. You know, like they're just like, oh hey, oh it's time to fight. Well, you know, let's you know, let's get to it then. You know what I mean? Like they're just they're just so upbeat about it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely intentional. <laughs> they're. Uh, I guess I just imagine Amish people as never not being friendly. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what it is. Because they're always just like, well, we have everything we need. Why do we need anger too, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, Rumspringa, for, for those who don't know, I mean, is a real Amish thing. It's when uh, Amish children get to be of the age of 13, 14, 15, something like that. And they're permitted to break away from Amish culture for a period of time. And uh, they're allowed to do things like drive cars and use cell phones and uh, dress English, as they call it, which means they can wear clothes that are not Amish. And um, 
that's entirely true, that part of it. And that the mm-hmm. story kind of starts off there where these two families have children who are in Rumspringa, and um, the story uh, explains this is real, and then it extends that definition of Rumspringa into something totally ludicrous, which is total make-believe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it turns into traditional beard-pulling and uh, personifying horses and cows and giant wooden fighting robots in video game graphics. <laughs> well, um, I, I definitely like how you, you mixed in, you know, the, in, in one panel you have like, yes, this is the serious explanation of what it really is. And then in the next panel, there's like, don't take any of this part seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a last minute addition too, because uh, it wasn't there. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to lie. <laughs> I'm afraid somebody's going to run off and think that this is real, and I don't want to be blamed for that <laughs> in the future. I mean, I'm afraid there's people who thought Hitler died in a movie theater when they watched Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. So I wanted to clarify that, and it made it funnier, I think, to add that meta layer to it. I mean, that's a good point. There are people that thought the movie Titanic was fiction, so. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's there are definitely people like that out there. So it's probably a good thing. And here's a here's an embarrassing true story about me. I um, my girlfriend, Jessica, when we first started um, hooking up, <laughs> she uh, we were out on a date and um, we we just like kind of ended the date. And we're just hanging out at my place. And for some reason, she was talking about lemmings as if they were real. And I was like, what do you mean? Lemmings aren't real. That's just like this fictional story about these little creatures that walk off a cliff. And she looks at me like I'm crazy. So we pull up the Wikipedia article, and yes, they're real. <laughs> um, and then we vandalized the Wikipedia page and tried to make them fictional. <laughs> That's okay. I got I, I, I got taken on a snipe hunt once, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the concern, is I, I, I wanted to – at the very, it was again. I think it was funny to say what's real and what isn't, but I also didn't want to just falsify it because mm-hmm. that's not cool. Um, but I'll tell you, this this book is def. All three of these have actually been pretty successful so far in the, the little the short time I've had them. But Rumspringa has been the um, the one that's definitely been the, the at least the the popular standout um, because it's so easy to get in somebody's hand. They just see. Barnes, robot Barnes fighting on the cover, right. and they're like, "Oh, I gotta have that." So, well, uh, and I, I think it's probably safe to say you've cornered the market on Amish comic books. <laughs> I mean, you know what? You I'm not the first. There are, um, there's um, Stephen and Bruce who do Dutchy Digest comics, and um, they're they have comics. They're called Dutchy Digest, and it's basically uh, Amish detective stories. And um, <laughs> nice. They technically they're Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, uh, wait, hey, you guys are in Pennsylvania, so. Yeah. Um, but uh, in fact, I, I I kind of was always like afraid they were going to give me dirty looks when I released my Amish comic. Like, come on, that's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have yet to face them yet, but we'll, I'm sure they're. Of course, I'm sure they're good natured about it. I'm just joking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I, I got to give them credit because. And, and by the way, the Dutchie Digest comics, I'm not just saying this, they really are great. I've been fans of them for a long time. Um, but I think when it comes to Amish punk, I'll say, yeah, I've got the, I've got the corner market, <laughs> or market cornered on that one. I mean, this, there's, yeah, the, the, you know, subgenres of Amish stories are, you know, they're, it's like, you know, 
the sky's the limit, so. Yeah. <laughs> if I make a sequel, I think I'm going to call it Shunned. <laughs> all right, so, so the, the third comic, which yeah. we haven't even mentioned at all yet, um, I think this is the the um, the one that has the most uh, sequel potential. Um, it's called Pecking Order, and it's about a boy named Richie who's not really a boy. He's a bioengineered subhuman. And this story takes place in a future where humanity has created a subspecies of humans to use as a slave race for labor. And this story takes place immediately after legislation is passed to grant equal human rights to these subhumans. But for people like Richie, who is one of these subhumans, he can't really take care of himself. So he's kind of forced just to become somebody's pet in the suburbs. And, um, this story is, uh, I think, the what would be the right word for it? The one that's um, most potential for winning an award. <laughs> I think it has the most to say. Uh, Rump yeah. Spring is the, the the funny book, and Goodbye Weather is um, fun and kind of actiony. Um, but Pecking Order is, I think, the most uh, artsy in a way, and. Um, Pecking Order had some great artists on it too, and both the artists are, um, well, the, the, the pencil and the guy who did the pencils and inks is Jason Fetterhen, and the colorist is Ricardo Michelle. And I discovered both these guys on DeviantArt, um, not together as a package, I discovered them independently, they don't, they don't know each other, I don't mm-hmm. think. And, um, I was just, you, it takes a lot of time to find an artist you think is perfect for something, and I did. And, um, to my great fortune, they both said yes. <laughs> um, it probably helped that I paid them. So, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but I'm super thrilled with uh, really all three books, but this book in particular was the one I felt like had the most potential to fall apart, um, because it was the least put together, but it just came together seamlessly. It was, it was magical. Um, so let me ask, did you, did you guys have a chance to, to read through these? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I actually read them all, and I, I think I read them. I just read them in the order that they were listed. So I read Goodbye Weather, then Pecking Order, and then Rum Springa. Um, and I, I agree that like Pecking Order just kind of, I think is the one that's going to sit with me the longest, you know, because of the, you know, because the, the shock of it, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I don't want to spoil it, but there, you know, there's some something in the book that you're. That I'm just gonna go. Wow, that could have, you know, that could have went better, you know. Yeah. But it didn't. No, I, I, I think, yeah. And if, if it's the part I'm thinking of, it like the whole. Uh, at one point, the, the book t- turns a corner, and it's like, wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you, re- and then you do, you sit there, and, and that's why you were saying like a sequel. You start to think, well, like, what's going to happen to these characters now? Yeah, like what's what's next? You know, what's these? yeah, what's, you know, yeah, where does it go? And, and the world, I think there's there's a nice concept there too, uh, that you're trying to figure out. You know, like as the reader, you're you're wondering, well, how how far does this go? You know, mm-hmm. as far as having you know subhumans as pets. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of ground to explore in in in, in all of these books. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's um, pecking order. You know, and and and, and even in uh, Goodbye Weather, you know, mm-hmm. there there's so much. Uh, I feel like there's so much meat left on these bones that I would, you know, love to see, um, 
you know, more stories taking place in, you know, these two worlds. Yeah, and I was going to say what I really like about your uh, about your writing is how uh, how the media affects the lives of the characters. And I think that's something that going back to Lackluster World, uh, you know, just comes through, and and I see it in your other books too. Um, and it's a little more obvious. I think Goodbye Weather. It's a little more obvious, you know, um, you know, <laughs> taking a taking a shot at the you know advertising. Um, which is cool, you know, just because I I love advertising, but I I also see what it does to people, you know, and and how it can influence, and um, you know, it's something that uh, I don't think a lot of people touch on, honestly, in comic books. So, you know, it's I, it's good. Well, thank you for for all that, but uh, advertising is. I mean, I've I've worked in. I said earlier that I, I run a web development agency. Mm-hmm. And I do, but prior to that, I was the art director of an advertising agency for four years. And um, even in web development, I, I say we're web development now. We started off more of as a creative agency, so we were kind of touching all aspects of advertising. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to get is I have a lot of experience in that world, and I, I both hate it and love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do think it it's kind of it's inherently evil, really. Yeah. Um, that it's, it's basically trying to manipulate you into doing something that you don't need to do at all. <laughs> I, th- I, I, I would guess that you read Adbusters. I don't, actually. I, I'm not even... No, I... I yeah. Who has time to read magazines? <laughs> I know, I know. I've read, a, I've read a couple. But it is, it's almost like, you know, just if you're interested in advertising, you read that because it's such an anti-advertising, you know, campaign, that mm-hmm. magazine is. So then it becomes interesting because it's, you know, attacks it. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I just got that. I get that impression that yeah, like you were seeing it from both sides, though. You know, having that love hate with it. Well, and so. when I say I, I love it, what, what I love about it is just my fascination with what it does to people and how it affects people. It because it's it's like this big, brooding, uh, robotic character that just affects people. Yet nobody can really interact with it or do anything with it, or it can in very small ways. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that I, I do that a lot of my comics because it's, it's just something I know and I, I think about all the time. And even new stuff I've kind of got in the works uh, gets into the advertising a lot as well. Um, uh, I, I don't. I I guess what it is is a lot of comic books, and this is one of these things that I, that bothers me. But you know, if it's done right, but. What bothers me is a lot of times a comic book will just go right to, like, um, a TV page. You know, so there's just like, hey, you know, here's a news thing about so-and-so superhero that's doing such-and-such downtown. And, like, they they use it more as a, as a way to get through to the, you know, just here's a bunch of information, you know, that we don't, and it comes off as they don't care about it. Um, but what I'm... But like in your case, I feel like that it's more integrated um, that that the information that they're receiving from advertising and, you know, the characters, it's actually, you know, that they are actually receiving it, not just like, hey, here's a page for the readers to read so that you know what this is about. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just a replacement for a narration box. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I feel it. like you, you have more of an integration between, yeah, like you said, you know, like I guess looking at it as a character is a, is a good way to... The way you said that, um, you know, that advertising is a character. 
and you use it that way. So, um, and you know, thing. and we're saying advertising. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's probably not. That's probably a misnomer, really. I think we're talking about just media in general. But yeah, yeah, I I think I started that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I just like to think about the the things that affect us as people and. You know, I don't want stories where people just tell each other facts. I want them to say things that make the other person think about something. And um, I even feel like a lot of, really all of the stuff I write, I, I try to avoid dialogue as much as possible, um, realistically. I mean, like Andy Rutten's Alley has like no dialogue in it, and that's just crazy. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I if, if it can be said with an ex- a facial expression, I'm going to mm-hmm. go for that, definitely. Nice. Um, and uh, I mean, Pecking Order... If you were to look at that book again, I mean, these these subhuman characters, of which there's two in this story, um, there's Richie, and then there, Richie's the one that's kind of like somebody's pet, so he's clean, he has a home, he's happy, and he ends up meeting Kate, who is another subhuman, but she's feral. She's been pretty much to fend for herself, and she's like a wild animal. She goes out and, and hunts birds and eats them and um, is very dirty and just doesn't trust people. And... um the uh I'm sorry, I kinda lost my train of thought. <laughs> the uh oh. oh crap, I'm sorry. She eats people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Uh yeah. <laughs> train, I apologize. Train be real. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, um uh that's that's what it is. You know what I like reading that character though, I, I thought of like you know, the people that are like, hey, we should have a raccoon as a pet, you know, and it's it's like, yeah, that's a that's a wild animal. You it's, know, maybe yeah, maybe you don't want that in the house. Those those things never end well. Right. <laughs> as these as these people kind of found out. Right. But it seems like these are characters that they don't really understand uh, nature and they're just like, oh, well, you know, bring it in. You know, it'll, you know, well, at least the mom, you know, or whatever she was like. It's fine. I, I remember what I was going to uh, say. I, I was yeah. talking about using little dialogue, and these characters, oh, these yeah. subhuman characters, uh, don't speak much at all. I mean, they speak, but they they only know simple nouns. Buzzwords. You know, yeah. Um, like Richie's favorite thing to do is to go outside and and play, but his way of playing is like just yelling at the birds up in the tree, like a dog would bark at them. You know, mm-hmm. he just goes birds, 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 and that's all he all he does. <laughs> um, and uh, because his speech is so limited, I didn't want his mental processes or his emotions to be limited. So it was really important that that he, you know, I found an artist that was able to do the right body language and facial expressions and really communicate what was going on between between them without having to say much, mm-hmm. um, if anything at all. No, I think, and I and, and I think in that in that respect, I mean, he just knocked it out of the park. I agree, and his. I spent a lot of hours, days, <laughs> maybe weeks on DeviantArt, <laughs> trying to find an artist that I thought fit it well. And when I found his stuff, I was like, I knew he was the guy for it. So, um, again, Jason, if you're listening, I love you, man. <laughs> you did a great job on this. It's beautiful artwork. Yeah, hopefully, uh, he's probably going to be famous someday. Maybe I can get, maybe I can work with him again before he becomes uh, unrealistically <laughs> unaffordable. Well, that, <laughs> well that, that, I was going to ask when you were looking for people to collaborate with, 
um, the, the, the guys that you found, had any of them already had any experience, you know, having, having their work published? Was it new for a lot of them or was there some sort of mix of that? Well, with, um, with pecking order, uh, Jason, the penciler inker, Jason Federhen, he, I believe is a student at SCAD right now. Okay. And, um, I know he had other comics work up on his DeviantArt and I think he just had another book published by someone i forget it might have been an image book like a, a one-shot thing but I, I could be mistaken um but uh to tell you the truth he was it was kind of i couldn't tell like his stuff was good enough i was like i can't tell if that's actually published work or not so um i don't know if, if he doesn't have any other published work yet he's going to soon for sure um the colorist on this book ricardo uh, ricardo michelle um he's a student as well um, I, admittedly, I don't know where, um, but uh, he, I, I found his work on DeviantArt, and I don't think he's had any published work at all. I'm, I'm pretty confident he didn't, because it seemed like he was more a, um, like he wants to, I think he's in school for art, but uh, really most of his work was just kind of his practice, you know, that he was putting up. Uh, and he had a lot of kind of like anime, manga influenced stuff, but um and his, his art is strong all around, but what really stopped me was his colors. I thought his colors were just fantastic. And um, so that's why I asked him to, to join on this one. With um, with Rum Springa, that was uh, drawn by, and I forgot to mention this before, that was drawn by Jeremy Treese. And I've known Jeremy for about 10 years. Um, he's up in uh, the Detroit area, I believe. And... Um, I've always really liked his art style and always we've been acquaintances for a long time. I've always had him in the back of my head as somebody I'd like to work with someday. And it just seemed like uh, a, a perfect fit to have him uh, illustrate this book. And um, he had some availability and um, he was able to do it. And I think he did a, a great job on it. I, I think he was the perfect pick for this book. Mm -hmm. His style is just really akin to, he's got kind of like a scratchy, weird hash mark style and um you know it's it's an amish story it takes place outside where there's not a lot of slick polished things happening it's it's wood and animals and trees <laughs> and um he did a great job on it he's done he's the, probably the uh, uh most experienced artist of all of these uh from these books um he did a, a marvel holiday special book hmm. and um I know he's the creator of, um, I think it's Hero at Large is the title of the book. Okay. Um, but he's been doing comics for a long time, and um, I was lucky he had availability to do it, really. Um, but uh, he's probably not available right now. He's probably busy with his next project. So. <laughs> um, and then Jerem, uh, who did Goodbye Weather, he is um, he's had some published work. He did the uh, uh, he did a Drive-in horror show comic book, which was like a tie-in with the, um, I gotta be honest, I'm not sure if it's a TV show or a movie, but it's kind of like a, a Tales from the Crypt or, um, uh, Vampira kind of thing where you've got like a horror host show and, okay. um, sounds kind of familiar. There's like fiction within the fiction, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, it's, it's a cool little book. Um, and I know he's done some web comics as well, but, um, I think his two big works are the the drive-in horror show book I mentioned, and then in the now goodbye weather. So I, I guess uh, I, for the most part, not everyone. I, I'm working with guys who are pretty—I don't want to call them inexperienced, but pretty new—and um, 
not, I, what I like about that is they don't have they don't have they're not stuck on a style they're not stuck on the the Marvel DC style that that's out there you know mm-hmm. and um, I like that again I I, I want to avoid the expected with everything I'm trying to put together and come up with new different unusual things and uh, so I went for new different unusual people to do them. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, for each book, I mean, I, you know, it looks like you struck gold with each one that, you know, they, it's like their style just was perfect for the, the type of story and the, the, the tone of the story that you were going for. So I think you, yeah, like I said, you just, you, uh, really, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Can I, can I take a vote? What's everybody's favorite of the three? Uh, and you know what? Not just favorite, uh, but. Which one should I continue, if any, <laughs> of the three? Well, I, I, I mean, they were they they were each I, I like them each almost equally, but for different reasons. Um, I know because I like the I, we didn't talk about this, but Goodbye Weather I like the uh, uh, just that concept of them using uh, you know that that uplink um, and then able you know like like when you think about the you know the future of mankind and it's like. Well, hey, this would be a great way to keep, you know, maintain, you know, space stations without going there. So you're basically just wet working to, uh, you know, to this android body or whatever. And yeah, I, I was like, what a great concept, you know. Well, that and um, for me, that that had the most um, unexpected amount of uh, heart in the story. Mm hmm. Know, that aside from the, the like the kind of um, the, the sci-fi aspect and the the, the action scenes there were you know the, there was a there was a, a really um, like like an equal amount of like parts that like touched me I was like wow that's you know really something um, and uh, yeah like R- Rump Springer was just flat out fun and pecking order was just wildly different from both. So I, I think yeah. I would have a hard time picking. I, I'm going to pick just because I, I said this before, but I think pecking order is the one that I would most like to see a sequel. I agree with Scott. I, I think pecking order, um, not, not, it's not an indictment on the other two, but right. pecking order was the most, for me, the most interesting concept and looked like it had the most potential to grow the story and explore further. I think for me, it, it would probably be a toss-up between it would be pecking order and uh, goodbye weather. Mm. Well, cool. Thank you guys. I, He's um, like no votes for Rumspringa. No. Well, you know what? <laughs> because, <laughs> almost, well, because almost everybody else. stands on its own. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've been asking everybody this question. Everybody who's read all three anyway, because um, you know they're new, and I'm trying to get as much feedback on them as possible. And um, hey, Rumspringa to me is just like. It's like going to Dairy Queen, you know, or something. Like you're getting like a treat. Where the other ones, I feel like, are more like a meal. I totally agree with you, and so. I, you know, but some people they want two milkshakes, not one. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's a good point. I um, well, all right. I I could definitely, I in my head, I kind of have sequel ideas for all of them, and um, but I, I'll agree with um, uh, Jared and, and Scott that pecking order is the one I think I would hope has the opportunity to go somewhere else um, from where it's currently at because um, I actually already know exactly what the next story is. It kind of, as I was putting it together, it was like, I know where I want this to go, but it was kind of 
written to be a one-shot book with the idea that it didn't have to go anywhere else. You know, it was, in other words, I, I didn't want to be, I guess I'm not a fan of the, the issues format with comics and releasing issues on a semi-regular basis. Oh, yeah. And um, I prefer the give it all to me now approach, right. um, at least when it comes to print. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I, I, I was almost kind of disappointed that I had good ideas for how to continue it. Because <laughs> like, I, uh, should I wait to release it and put it all in here as one? But no, I, I did this and I think that's um, a, that's I think that's just something from doing small press too that you um I I always hate I always hate telling people that um oh yeah you have to read the next issue but it's not done yet yeah you know and I think like having that and just saying it's all here you can buy it today and read the whole thing and you'll love it. Well, and that's, that's a good nice. point. Yeah. I've, I've walked that beat for, I walked it for 10 years <laughs> with yeah. Lackluster World and, um, had the issues and it was, I mean, there was a lot of time gaps between those issues and it's just, mm-hmm. it's a matter of how much time you have to work on it. Right. And, um, ever since I finished it, I've kept a pretty low profile with comic stuff so I could focus on new stuff. But at the same time, I, even though it's issues, like I really just wanted to focus on getting that collected into one big book. So somebody could have it as the full package. Because mm-hmm. um, I know that's how I want to read comics. And um, I, you know, I'm sure that everybody wants to read comics the same way I do, but I kind of have to act on that if that's how I feel about it. Um, well, now everyone can. Yes. You know, let's bring it around. Everyone can read Lackluster World. That's right. In one shot. Or Sit down Rum Springer people. and Pecking yeah. Order and Goodbye Weather. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. Um, so, Eric, if you want, I mean, I'm going to put all these in our show notes, but if you want to tell people where they can find, um, you know, all your stuff, again, that would be great. Uh, yeah, thank you. The um, Well, since it's the pressing thing, the Kickstarter for Lackluster World, uh, just go to kickstarter.com and search Lackluster World or Google Lackluster World Kickstarter um, or go to narrator.com where you'll find a link to the Kickstarter and find access to all three of these comics, both in digital and print form, um, as well as other stuff, too. We've got a few other things up there. In fact, Scott mentioned the Reflection comic book, which is so good. Yeah. We, have it. we uh, you still know, have some of those. Everybody should read that book, too. I mean, and actually, you, you were, I'll just say this real quick, but um, as far as, like, limited dialogue, I mean, that's the book. Like, there's maybe three words in the whole book, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So, but it's incredible. It's it's worth every penny to you. Well, thanks, ma'am. I, so, that's I uh, call that my pretentious book. <laughs> I call that like this is you know like the guy or you know the the guy that wrote Gravity the movie like read your book first. You know, it was like, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm gonna sue that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh, yeah, narrier.com, um, is really the place to find everything. And if you want to find me on social network, uh, stuff, I'm real easy to find, uh, facebook.com slash E Adams, uh, twitter.com slash Eric Adams. Great. All right. Well, hey, man, thanks for, thanks for coming on. And, and uh, it was yeah, a great discussion you. about, about your work. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I am very, very grateful for the opportunity, uh, especially while I've got the Kickstarter going on because, that's a time sensitive thing, damn it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get on that and we're gonna we're gonna help spread the word as for the for the next week as long as we can. 
Well, thank you so much, guys. It was fun talking to you, too. It's been a long time since I've seen any of you in person. So. Yeah, it has. And Jared, it's been so long since we caught up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing well. Yeah, man, you're sounding great. I'm really glad you kicked that. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Comic Book Pit, episode 198. I'm Dan. I'm Scott. I'm Jared. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>